Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. Welcome back to another episode. I know you're expecting a Friends and Neighbors episode, but we've got something really super special. We have the one, the only, the amazing Darren Dato on our show today. Darren, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about myself and I explain cases live and uh, just, uh, you know, tell myself to your uh, listeners. I, I've got to tell you, usually when I have a guest on the show, I do a little background investigation on them. I try to get a timeline of, of their events and, you know, their history and things like that. So I don't sound like a complete idiot when I'm interviewing them. And I started looking into your background and, and dude, <laughs> you've been everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, um, actually, you know, I started in uh, broadcasting. Um, I was a anchor, uh, reporter, uh, photographer for, you know, like ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox all around the country, but I've always had an interest in the paranormal. And, you know, 20 years ago, there were a few shows that were on TV, but uh, my partner and I, Rick Garner, when we worked for a CBS affiliate in Jackson, Mississippi, we had kicked around the idea, hey, what about doing some stories about some local, you know, haunted places, and then maybe UFOs and cryptids and things like that, and that's when The Unexplained was launched. But then we took a 20-year break because I moved away. Uh, he stayed in Mississippi. And so we said, what the heck? Uh, about a year and some change ago, we decided to, uh, you know, do it again and do some investigating. And now we have Unexplained Cases Live, and it's just, it's just been a blast. Of course, I'm not a guy in his uh, 20s anymore, um, <laughs> and I'm not as skinny as I used to be. But um, None of us are. It's been, really a, it's been really a lot of fun because, uh, you know, the equipment has changed so much. I mean, my... Sony camera with night shot. I think I paid about $1,500 for it back in the nineties. And so you can get one on Amazon for a couple hundred dollars now, but yeah. uh, it's just been a, it's been a really, it's been a really uh, enjoyable journey so far. Just looking forward to see where it takes us down the road. So you started out and, and this is, this is what I'm trying to get my mind around. Okay. You started out in broadcast journalism. You were a news anchor. You started out with this left brain analytical career. Is that something that you wanted to do growing up? You said, hey, I'm going to be a, a newsman when I get older. Yes. You know, I always had an interest. Uh, you know, I wrote for the school newspaper and I did some, you know, back in the you know 70s and 80s, there was not like today technology-wise what mm -hmm. kids do. But, you know, um, definitely had an interest. My sister worked as a reporter in the business uh, when she was, uh, we grew up in Seattle. So she kind of got me interested in it, and I always like to, you know, communicate with people, and I had no problem getting in front of a camera, or, you know, just doing things like that, so yeah, I, I well, see, I when I graduated from school in the early 90s, uh, then I got my first job in uh, Minnesota, and I know you looked into my background, I've, where have I been? I've been to Minnesota, New Mexico, Mississippi twice, Oklahoma, Seattle, Kansas, uh, and then finally moved to Arizona, uh, I'm not in the business anymore, I'm actually in public relations, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, up in Seattle, and, uh, you know, in the 70s, Bigfoot was a big thing. Oh, yes. And so that's when I, when I first got that, like, oh, this is so cool, and they had, like, shows about it and things like that. Of course, then Kenneth Arnold, um, you know, saw the UFOs when he was flying over Mount Rainier. I think that was back in, like, 1950 or something, and he coined the phrase, you know, flying saucer. So that was interesting growing up in that area. Also, so I've always had an interest in it. So, you know, when I got into traditional journalism, some people were like, well, I don't know about that. But, you know, we, we made the stories fun 
and you know had a good little following and um you know like i said just my career went different a different way but it's cool to do it again it's just there's so many people doing it you know back then in the late 90s there was not really that many groups how long were you strictly a, a newsman i mean a traditional this is what's going on in the world kind of news person yeah i was like your meat and potatoes uh 25 years so, and I just, if you want to say retired, I don't know, or just changed uh, careers uh, back in 2018. Uh, so, yeah, I did it for uh, tw- 25 years and then fortunate enough to do a few ghost stories in there. Um, when I worked in Minnesota, I did a few. Uh, Oklahoma, I worked with uh, a local team there. Uh, Seattle, I did a, uh, some stories. Uh, went back to Mississippi, which is, you know, the house in between, which was awesome. I can't believe it's been nine years ago. So even though I was still, you know, a anchor and reporter, you know, still doing, you know, you know, crime and, and edu- education and politics and things like that, I still had a little leeway to do, oh, you know, the occasional kind of cool uh, paranormal story because it was so popular. All you have to do is turn on the cable networks now and see the shows. And so Absolutely. there was an interest from viewers. And so, um, but yeah, I just kind of got, you know, it's like after doing it for so many years, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'd like to try something a little, little different. You know, it's, the hours are very long and it's, it's mm-hmm. a pretty stressful job. You're around some pretty, um, you know, tough situations I've had to report, you know, on, you know, stuff, you know, terrible crimes, things like oh, that. Yeah. So yeah, the paranormal is so much more easy. It would love to, we're, you know, I know we're, we're trying to figure out a way to do this, uh, uh, full time and, you know, kicking around ideas, um, but it, it, it's just, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a hobby, but at the same time, it's just, it's so enjoyable and you meet cool people like yourselves. Well, we, we're old. I don't know if we're cool, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. I'm, uh, I'm not a spring chicken either. The, f- the first time you're, you're sitting there in a news desk or a newsroom uh, or outside, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, outside with a microphone and the wind howling in the background, what? What went through your mind that made you say the very first time, hey, I'm going to report on something paranormal? Because I know back in the 90s, that was not, it wasn't as popular as it is now. People were not as open-minded. The, the shows hadn't come on yet. That's a big risk as a newsman to make that leap, to, to put out a story like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, actually, it was one, and that's a great question, because, you know, I still had an interest, like when I was in high school, um, you know, we used to do, I guess, what you call urbex. Uh, you know, we did this urban exploration going into these kind of spooky old places that, you know, that were supposedly haunted. Uh, and we we did that for years um, and always had an interest in that. Of course, you know, went to college and things like that. But when I got into the media, um, I think it was like haunted history or something was on at that time. When I lived in a small town in Minnesota, there was a couple of I did an investigation of a haunted building where the newspaper was in uh, St. Peter which was kind of cool. And then actually did one in a private residence. Uh, and my uh, boss at the time thought it was kind of an outside of the box type. Uh, well, this is interesting. Let's, let's, let's give it a shot. So I ended up doing, you know, a couple of stories. And then as I went through um, my career, people took more notice, like, Oh, you do some of those ghost stories. So like when, when I got to um, not so much. You know, I worked in Roswell, New Mexico for three years. How funny is that with the uh, the whole alien thing down there? But I don't even know if I ever did a UFO story. But it was when um, I got to uh, Mississippi and I met Rick. You know, you know the whole Civil War history and how mm-hmm. old it is oh, down yeah. there. And just you know, it was just it was really you know we got to go to the Myrtles Plantation, Sloss Furnaces in in um, Birmingham, Alabama. 
So I was still able to, you know, it was a balancing act, you know, because the, you know, the boss was like, okay, that's cool. We'll let you do that. But at the same time, remember, you're still, you know, a traditional hardcore news person. So, um, you know, I, I guess I was fortunate enough that nobody ever really said no. I mean, the, you know, that, that was the thing. Uh, when you think about that, it's like, well, here's the main news anchor and he's doing a story at this house in Florence, Mississippi. How weird is that? You know, but I, when we had done the series, uh, back in the nineties and the early two thousands, people in Mississippi still remembered it. So I, I was gone for 10 years and I moved back and that's when, uh, you know, some of the folks that were working with Alice still remembered who I was and that's how I ended up, you know, connecting, um, with her where of course the house in between documentary was shot. So, you know, long story short, I was just, you know, able to convince the bosses like, Hey, this is something cool. This is something outside the box. I think the viewers, would like a break from all, you know, the bad news all the time. Let's give them some kind of uh, entertainment. And I got, I got lucky enough. How fortunate is that, that you had people on your side that would let you go forward with that instead of shut you down? Oh, incredibly. Uh, and at times, you know, kind of shocking. I know when I was yeah. in, in Minnesota in kind of a conservative area, um, you know, they might have thought, ooh, this ghost thing, I'm not sure. But, I mean, I mean, who doesn't like a good ghost story? I mean, you, you know, you're growing up around the campfire, you know, things like that with your friends and why not turn it into you know a visual uh story um uh, with with real people uh not not just maybe an urban legend or something like that and you know it was just it was kind of thinking outside the box oh, so it was, a, it was a nice nice break from all the you know the monotony of all the other stuff we had to report on and even you know up until the end when i you know got out of the business i was still doing a few things uh, in Kansas, um, and there was a matter of fact. I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, you know, I went back a couple of years ago, worked with Road Trip Paranormal, and did a story back then. So, you know, even though I'm not on you know TV, if you will, anymore, I'm still using the skill set that I developed over the years, and you know, trying to transfer those skills into you know doing our show and making it more, you know, telling stories. You know, not only reinvestigating, but what's the history of the place. You know, you get to know the people that you know that have been affected. So it was cool. It was a great run, but you're right. When you think about it, most people, they like to do the, oh, it's haunted. It's the Halloween story, the traditional, hey, it's going to air on the 30th or there's a haunted house. Uh, You know, we got to do real stuff, you know, not necessarily, you know, fake things. These were people that were really experiencing with some type of uh, paranormal activity in their home or business. So did you actually do like a paranormal investigation when you went to these places for your news reports or... Did you just go and like interview people or how did that work out? Well, actually it was both because, you know, in the news, you're trying to tell a story and take pictures and videos and interviews and things like that. But at the same time with our um, very uh, minimal amount of technology back then, uh, we would um, a lot of times work with a local uh, paranormal group or somebody outside the state where they would bring all of their equipment and we would work with them you know, kind of shadowed them. I mean, we had some, you know, minimal, like a tri-field meter. I had night vision cameras, um, you know, uh, digital audio. Rec- well, actually, it was an audio recorder with a, with a tape on it. It wasn't yeah. digital. Been there. So, plenty um, of those. Yeah, so, <laughs> going away. so you would rewind it, which was kind of funny. It made for good good sound when we would do a TV story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we were kind of, you know, shadowing and at the same time doing our investigation, but we were learning from, you know, there was not that many groups back then, too. No. That was the thing. I mean, there were there was a few, um, and we worked with some great people that, you know, they've been doing it for a few years. So, yeah, we tried to, you know, tell a story. What's the history? Why is it haunted? 
interview the people that have been affected, uh, and then, you know, interview the paranormal group to find out what they're going to do. And then we would try to kind of, you know, join in with them, um, which, you know, some of the stories you see on TV, they, they do that nowadays, but a lot of time, uh, you know, the folks are kind of on the outside, you know, they're kind of just like, Oh, this is what they do. And, you know, we were more of like, Hey, let's get in there. You know, we wanted to learn. That was the one thing I wanted to educate myself in this, that, you know, I love haunted stuff, but how do you actually try to confirm that something is haunted? Right. Or is it somebody's, you know, imagination or how do you debunk it and things like that? So, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we try to do as much as we can. Now, obviously we do our, you know, investigations. So we've taken that knowledge that we've gained over the years and have much more different equipment. But, you know, we still like to work with, you know, a group, you know, somebody if we're in Illinois or something like that, or, you know, here in, in um, Arizona, we, uh, we worked with the Phoenix, Arizona Paranormal Society. Um, and we did a story with them and, you know, uh, you know, relied on some of their equipment and things like that. But yeah, so from we were on TV, you know, a lot of times the story is, you know, like a minute 30 they'll give you or mm-hmm. something. And, and they gave us, uh, sometimes our stories were up to five minutes wow. because if it's so good, why try to cut it short? If you're having all this activity and things like that, you know, they, they, uh, the station in Mississippi, they just let us, Hey, you guys go, go for it. Um, and as long as it's not controversial or something, you know, kind of strange or weird, but yeah, they just, they really enjoyed the stories that we did. And one year when I was up in Seattle working there for the Fox station, uh, we got to do a live, I can't remember how long it was. It was in the Seattle underground because Seattle originally was built. Uh, and then when it was too low with the water table and it flooded all the time. So they had to build a city on top of the city. And so there's a lot of tunnels and things left. So we were able to go do this whole live investigation. It was like, I don't know how how long it was on TV, which was kind of cool. And that's a big market. You know, some of the other areas I've worked at were, you know, kind of smaller, but you're talking almost a top 10 TV market that they're like really bought into the whole, you know, paranormal, how hot it was. So, and then, you know, went back to Mississippi, did some stories, um, and then, you know, hung it up until what we're doing right now. So, yeah, I don't know how many people like myself, are, we're like that in the country. I've always wondered about that. I can't imagine there's that many people who are, you know, hard news reporters or anchors, and then at the same time we're paranormal investigators. Oh. I've seen people do. I've seen people do stories, um, you know, like the hell oh, it's haunted, you know, it's Halloween. But I, I don't know that many that have actually really kind of uh, got into it. I actually worked for the uh, with the Telemundo uh, station here, and the reporter from uh, from them. Um, kind of joined in on the investigation. So that was interesting. It was kind of a role reversal uh, when we did that last fall. This is what makes you really unique and kind of a trendsetter, I think, is you've got this this very hard news, left brain, analytical background, but you're open-minded enough to go ahead and jump feet first into the whole paranormal field. Absolutely. And, you know, I did investigative journalism for a lot of times. So, you know, really dug into, you know, what the facts of whatever the the case is or, you know, the history of the place. I usually, you know, uh, I always think that there's probably maybe 75% that can be explained. Oh, you know, maybe it was uh, overactive imagination or, you know, something, you know, somebody... It wasn't a UFO, it might have been an airplane, but there is that 25% that I think you have to ask yourself, well, that's kind of strange. I'm not sure. There's not really a explanation for that, hence it's um, unexplained. And then a lot of times when we did uh, our UFO stories in Mississippi, uh, you know, way back when, 
of course, the government was, you know, discredit, discredit, discredit. We don't investigate the, you know, the Air Force. We don't investigate UFOs. But I mean, I, we interviewed law enforcement. I mean, reputable members of the community that obviously saw something. Something happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, here in Arizona, I interviewed people that saw the Phoenix Lights. I believe what they said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was able to utilize those investigative skills, you know, to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I want to believe everybody, but I, I have to verify the facts right. of, uh, you know, what they're insinuating. Just to, you know, like I said, and I, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but, you know, you just might say, hey, you know, maybe this is what it was instead. And sometimes they're like, oh, okay, I see your point. Maybe that is what I saw. But if there's always that 25% that you're like, man, I don't know. There's something, um, you know, I've been in... You know, situations, for instance, when we did a story years ago in Mississippi in a, in a, in a place called Marahope uh, Mansion in uh, Meridian, Mississippi, beautiful old place, crazy stories about the, of the joint. And uh, so we got to spend a night there all by ourselves. Literally, they gave us the key to the place. And there was, you know, we had some EVPs. There were some strange sounds. The, the weirdest thing that happened, and to this day, it's probably the craziest thing that we were sitting downstairs in like a living room, uh, just with the lights off, kind of resting, uh, had a camera going, uh, just kind of shooting in, into darkness. And, and all of a sudden, it sounded like this incredible banging, or it sounded like somebody was in the room with us flipping over the furniture, uh, tables and chairs. Oh, wow. And literally, we got up and there was nobody there. And it was crazy. And, that, and, then, the, and then the noise was like upstairs. We ran upstairs. And it sounded like somebody was banging on the ceiling. Um, to this day, that is probably one of the freakiest. I mean, I don't no idea what happened that night. I don't know what you know what was with us or what was happening. If that was a, a poltergeist, but something was happening. I don't know if it was a parallel universe, uh, a vortex, but something was knocking things around the house. And when we turned the lights on, everything was perfect. Were things actually moved? No, that's the thing. That's what was crazy. It was exactly the same as it was when this whole episode or whatever you want to say happened. It, nothing moved. Wow. But it sounded like some, something was, you know, banging around. Um, and then we went upstairs and we heard this, like, pounding on the ceiling. It sounded like a, like a person was walking, you know, up on the roof, which there's no way a person could, like, if they were trying to, you know, pull a prank or something to get right. on top of this. This was a huge... Um, mansion. The one interesting story that I had heard about that, and, and it's really a shame the woman that had it happen to her uh, didn't want to talk about it, which I don't blame her. She was a caretaker that she said that she was kind of down in a basement area of the home and, and like passed out or something, something happened. And when she came to, she looked out uh, the window and she saw the apparition of several members of the Union Army on horses. Wow. Um, clear, clear as day. Um, they were there, uh, and then they were gone. And it, it certainly freaked her out, and she didn't really like to share that that story, but we had heard it through some of the other people that did work there. But so, the, I mean, that Marahope, there was something crazy. And then I went back years uh, later, well, right about the time when I did the uh, Mississippi, uh, you know, the house. Uh, it didn't have really, the, there were some EVPs. The banging wasn't there, but the EMF inside the house was unbelievable that I, I couldn't remember. It was like... I mean the, the 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 spikes and everything in that same area where the furniture got supposedly flipped over. It was in that downstairs area where kind of a half living room, half like a formal dining room. It was in that same area where we heard everything that the EMF spikes were 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 huge. 
Um, so I don't know if there's something in that particular area of the house that's going on. Sure sounds like it. Um, but to this day, I, you know, I don't have an explanation, uh, but it was, I'm glad that we were there to experience it, but it's still a head scratcher. And that's, you know, 20 years later. I love stories like that. I love stories where somebody's had a firsthand experience and they go back later and there's still something a little crazy going on. It's almost a validation. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm trying to, okay, you know, we tried to to debunk it at the time too, but if nothing moved, um, it's like, what caused that? You know, what was the, was the deal with that? You know, we went to the Myrtle's plantation. Something moved on some plane. Sound is a pressure wave. Something had to physically (laughs) disrupt the air and create that pressure wave for you to hear it. So something moved somewhere. Exactly. And so, um, another story about that house was, it was interesting. You know, we had, you know, some of the activity that was late in the night, but we went out to, um, uh, get, you know, drinks or something, you know, I got you pulling an all nighter, want to go get Mountain Dew or something at two, two, three o'clock in the morning. But we left uh, a bunch of our cameras, uh, tripods running, uh, also had, uh, you know, our, our little, um, uh, audio recorder. But what was incredible was you can, you can hear us. Okay. We open the door, we close the door, we, you know, hit the alarm on the car, car doors open, car doors shut. We back out of the gravel driveway and like as soon as we were out of there, it's like the house came alive. Oh. We started hearing ba- banging sounds, um, you know, just weird. You know, it was, it was sort of like they were whole. You know, they, it was all pent up until we left, and they wanted to let themselves uh, uh, go, uh, which was just <laughs> wow. That's it was crazy. Else. It was just you know, and, and the other one, you know, the story that about that same time as we went to the uh, Myrtle's plantation, which. You know, even though Mayor Hope was amazing, the Myrtles was just, you know, the history and stories. And, you know, that's one of the only places I wouldn't say I was scared, but I would say that it certainly got my attention um, of, of what happened. I mean, I'll put it this way. And this was back in the old days when there was no, you know, you didn't have to pay for anything. We, you know, loosely knew the people that owned the uh, place. And they're like, hey, just come down on a weeknight. We'll just let you guys have free reign of the place free so nice. we got free rooms you know now it's a couple thousand dollars or something if you want to do a you know an all-night oh, uh, yes. investigation but uh you know that's the only place you know i've never seen people like well have you ever seen a ghost have you ever seen an apparition no i've never seen an apparition of a person but you know we saw the apparition of a cat there that had died years before and that wow. to this day that's the only uh you know really weird seeing this thing there one second and then it was gone uh, the next, but we were so spooked out about everything that, you know, they gave us three rooms at the joint that we actually three grown men ended up crowding <laughs> into one room, even though we had three because of everything that had happened that yeah. night. And, and I, and I remember when we laid down, something just started banging on the walls inside the room and it got really cold, almost like the whole, you know, Sixth Sense movie, which I think came out around then, like the late nineties, 2000. And the whole night you could hear like, somebody running up and down the stairs, which, you know, we, we thought it was the children that died there, you know, years before, but yeah, that joint did not disappoint. I mean, it, it, it lived up to its, um, it, its hype. Um, and you know, we wanted to go back, we wanted to go back years later, but they're like, Hey, you know, it's $800. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's on my bucket list, but you're right. It is a little, a little pricey for the average Joe to, to go in there. But I do, I do want to say to my listeners, even seasoned professionals get a little nervous 
when things get a little crazy. Or unnerved. Or a little unnerved. Yeah. So if you, you're going out on an investigation for the first time or maybe even the third time or the fourth time and you get upset, unnerved, a little afraid, that is perfectly okay. That is probably the proper instinct to have. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, if if you're in a situation like that, you have to kind of let down your guard. You have to be open to what's happening and to experience it as it's happening. And so there are times, I remember at Sloss Furnaces in Birmingham, I went out kind of by myself uh, in a part of the place, and that's a spooky place. And it felt like I was being either watched or something was following me. And I remember I kind of picked up the pace to, you know, walk back to see where everybody else was. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. You know, even now, you know, there's things that when I get into an area of a place that makes me go, man, I don't know. I don't, you know, not really a safety issue, but just, you know, your heart starts racing, you right. get palm sweating, hair stands up. You're like, man, somebody's here with me. Something's, you know, the air is charged. And your senses and get honestly, heightened beyond yeah, exactly. <laughs> description. <laughs> I hate that feeling. Well, exactly. And, and, and that's the thing about, you know, really putting yourself, really being an investigator, you know, being open, trying to figure out, okay, what's going on, debunking, you know, am I really experiencing uh, what's happening? And, of course, if you have footage and, you know, you had equipment that, you know, took readings and things like that, you can go back over all your work and, you know, uh, see what you captured. And so, you know, that's one of the things we do now. There's, you know, we went to uh, the uh, Mineral Springs Hotel in uh, Illinois, oh, gosh, this must be about a year and a half ago, which uh, in Alton, what do they say? That's the most haunted small town in America. Always wanted to go there. There was a, a ghost conference that Troy Taylor puts on every year. So uh, Rick and I went out there. And the pool area in in the it's not a hotel anymore, obviously, but um, the pool area is one of the you know supposedly one of the most haunted places. And you know, there, I've always had a little skepticism when people say, "Well, I was you know I was touched by a ghost. I was pushed by a ghost. You know, something." That, that's the only place to this day that was weird. That we started like our K two meter started going off. You got kind of a weird vibe in the air that literally I felt something walk through me, uh, almost knocking knocking me over. Oh wow! And that was the first time. And that was the first time that I'm like, well, maybe there is, you know, something to this. You know, and I, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty. You know, like I said, you gotta you gotta prove that. You know, uh, that 25 percent or the 75 percent that something. You know, walked through me and I got sick. Kind of got a nauseous feeling. Oh, I can only imagine. And. Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, it's, you know, here I am being skeptical. Well, I don't know, maybe people are imagining things down in this pool area. And by God, something something said, hey, Darren, we're going to get your attention. Yeah. We're going to walk through <laughs> they, they wanted to make you a attention. believer. <laughs> then we're going to make you a believer. Exactly. I usually get touched. I usually get poked or touched or somebody taps my shoulder or plays with my hair or whatever. Uh, nothing's walked through me. I think that would probably creep me out. That would be the one thing that creep creeps me out. Me out. I, I don't. I'm not as sensitive as Cecilia is by far. Um, maybe uh, a tenth if. So I don't get as much tactile stuff, but I do get the hair raising, uh, senses heightened. Uh, sometimes, like, the air is just devoid of oxygen, like vapors going in and out, but there's no oxygen in it. I get that stuff, but I don't get touched, pushed, scratched, or poked. Yeah, getting walked through is just creepy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just feel like there's like the air is heavy. I know there was another room, uh, that, that in, in the, in the hotel there that, you know, there was kind of, they're re- refurbishing, doing some work on it. And, and it just felt, 
um, dark. Yeah. You know, uh, the air was kind of heavy. Something seemed kind of, you know, you could go to the room next door. Everything's fine. You walk into this room. It's like, I wonder if something weird happened here, you know, uh, years ago. Um, And like at the Myrtles, the cold spots were crazy. They were just like all over the place. To this day, I've never felt anything like that. Um, You know, there's just a lot of stuff out there that you just don't know. You know what I mean? You just, you can't explain. you know, that, that's the whole thing with UFOs that we do a lot of that stuff that, you know, I, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of stuff, maybe people misinterpreted what they saw, but you know, I, you know, my guilty pleasure is actually watching that paranormal caught on camera, that TV show. Oh my gosh. And really? It's amazing oh, yeah. <laughs> how many things that have been captured that we just don't know about yeah. that have never been out there in the mainstream media. And it just, it's like, wow, this is kind of crazy, especially the UFO, well, the ghost steps encrypted is pretty compelling but the the lights in the skies and the strange you know funny story not to not to go sideways you know off, off the path but there's a guy that was uh of all things he was in the military but he started his own company he does like floor work like carpets and things like that and i hired him he did a couple of jobs and i knew he was in the military he was in the navy and we were t- and i just happened to have that uh paranormal caught on camera my son and i were watching it He's like, oh, yeah, is that like something about UFOs? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we kind of watch this. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, when I was in the Navy, when they, you know, they would do the bombing training out there by Puerto Rico, he said that one night that they were all up on deck. He's like, yeah, we saw something. And I'm like, oh, wait, I need to hear this story. He's like, yeah, there was like some kind of light there, and then it shot into like three and then shot up in the air and it was gone. Yeah, that's incredible. was, Was that like a military thing? He's like, no, but we all, you know. We we knew it wasn't military, but they they didn't talk about it. You know what I mean? He's he's out of the military now, but and I believe this guy's like, yeah, there's he's like it was doing, you know, stuff that we we can't go that fast in our, you know, or change direction at right aircraft. angles instantaneously. Yeah, yeah. aircraft. Phys- we don't have the physics to do it. That we know of. No, no. But what's funny about it, what he explained is is almost the same as what was spotted by people back in the early seventies in Mississippi. There was a uh, Hubert Roberts, uh, a sheriff that we interviewed, and he talked about, you know, this is like 74, 73, seeing a, some kind of a hovering type light in a, in a field. It was there. They watched it, him and another guy for, I don't know if it was a minute, and then it just like whoop, shot up and it was gone. Yeah, just like instantly accelerated. That's 74, and now we, you know, we go 30 years later, and it's the same thing. So I want to talk to you about unexplained cases, but before we get to that, how did you get involved? Because you're talking about Mississippi now. So how did you get involved with the house? Oh, the, the interesting story. Um, I was a news anchor. As you know, I worked for 16 WAPT down there. People still kind of remember me from when I actually worked across the street at WJTV. So I went from CBS to ABC 10 years later when I did the stories, you know, the franchise we had there at JTV. And... I can't remember if it was John Bullard that reached out to me or it was uh, Brian uh, Riley from the uh, Mississippi Paranormal Society, but they said, hey, um, we've got a uh, a case that we think that might be an interesting story if you're still doing your unexplained things. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we'd love, you know, my bosses, they knew my background. Matter of fact, one of the first things I did when I got hired at JTV is I hosted a big paranormal conference on uh, UFOs. And heck, I'd only been there a month, so you know my new bosses were okay with it. So they said, "Hey, there's this lady 
in Florence. It's like 25 minutes south of Jackson that she's got this house that's so haunted that she doesn't even like stay there. And I'm like, what? I go, she doesn't live there. She's like, yeah, no, she, she just, she still has it, but she doesn't, you know, and she wants to kind of find out what's going on. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going oh, absolutely. On? And so Alice, who we all know, Jackson, uh, invited myself with, uh, John Bullard was, uh, he had smoke and mirrors paranormal was his group at that time. And then Brian Riley from the Mississippi paranormal society, we worked with them. Um, you know, I had this invitation from Alice to come down and, and do a story. And I, I believe when I've talked to her that I think that's the first time she'd really gone on the record, you know, uh, a media story about what happened. I, I do believe that's correct. Yeah. I saw the part one of, of your piece, and yes. uh, I think that was I think that was her coming out of her shell and, and finally sharing it openly with the, the general populace. It, it agreed. And then, you know what's funny? I can't find the part two. I don't know where it is, and I need to see if somebody back at the – because the second second episode is when we shared – I know, and I was all the, waiting uh, – All the stuff that we got that night, and, you know, I don't know where it is. I cannot find it. I've tried for years to find it, you know, because we had some – interesting things that happened but yeah alice was great because i remember she's like eh, i don't know if i want to use my last name and so we just called her alice the homeowner or something like that um but yeah and and i know that when i chat with her to this day she always like hey thank you for doing that story because that kind of gave me the courage to you know come out and tell other people you gotta understand that's the bible belt and you're oh, talking yeah. about a small town i mean florence is a small town oh do we know uh, where everybody knows, <laughs> knows each other and so they don't she didn't want to be the crackpot that you know thought that her house was haunted we we uh stayed in a hotel under a 10-story cross oh yes of course i forgot <laughs> about that yeah. <laughs> yeah right right off the highway the yes right there on the main main road just as you come into florence there's a huge huge cross yeah because um it's on the channel, 16WAPT. It's on their YouTube channel that they uploaded the first one, but I don't know if somebody forgot back then to um, upload the, the second the part. Conclusion. I, I, can't, I think they, <laughs> they might have gone back and done a story a couple years ago or a year ago. I don't really, you know, I've been gone for so long. I don't really know anybody there, uh, maybe a couple of photographers. Um, but, and then I know Walt Grayson, who, who's an incredible storyteller, t- uh, um, who was at, WJTV for, or excuse me, at WLBT for years, and I don't know if he's actually at my old station now, but he was featured in the documentary. They had, they had talked yes. to him. But the one part that's funny is, and I meant to ask, you know, Kendall, who was one of the, uh, I don't know if you want to call them co-creators or executive producers, that they talk about, like, my story, and they're like, it, from the outside, it looks like a normal story, or it looks like a normal house, but yeah. inside, it's anything but that, or something like that. And I'm like, Hey, wait a second. I said that, and they used somebody that dubbed over my words. I don't know who that person was. Maybe <laughs> no. they just couldn't. I don't know if it's because, the, you know, the TV station with copyright and things like that, they can't right. do it. But I remember the first, first time I watched the documentary because I bought it, I'm like, wait a second. I think I said that, you know, years ago. So you, Alice reaches out to you. She talks to you. She's, and she's such a wonderful, charming person to talk to. I love her so much. Oh, yeah. You went to the house, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. No, no, we went. It was my photographer, I, Lamont Brown, uh, and we met John and, like I said, Bullard uh, and his team from Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal and the Mississippi Paranormal Society with Brian Riley, and we did a story. You know, we sat down with Alice and wanted to figure out what's what's going on with this house. You know, what what have you experienced? And she talked about the lights in the bedroom and, the you know, good lights going on and off, the whole swinging chandelier. 
a compelling story. It's like, oh my gosh. And, and she was like, yeah, it's so bad. I don't live here anymore. I'm like, you don't live here anymore? She's like, no, I haven't spent the night here by myself. And I don't know how long it was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this, there must be something to this house. And, you know, you try to go in with an open mind and I'm like, okay, well, was, you know, this lady imagining things, but it's interesting. As soon as you walked in the house, it, it kind of felt Mm-hmm. Like something was off. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but there there seemed like there was some kind of an, an an energy that was in there. A lot of energy, yes. You know, the air was kind of heavy, and you know, we sat down with Alice, and I and I, I'm trying to remember that I think there was like an orb or something or a light that we had captured behind her while we were talking to her. And I remember, you know, with Brian, we did the whole you know interaction with the flashlight, asking questions. Now back then. You know, this was in the beginning. She thought maybe it was her, her husband that had passed away. Right. I remember that was kind of the angle of the story. Maybe he hadn't left. And it sounds like the story has evolved with, you know, that's not what it, it's not him anymore, that, you know, people have done, you know, research and things like that. But, you know, we only got, you know, sadly only got one night there. But, I mean, it was it was great. I mean, it was a great investigation. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, I've always wanted to go back. You know, it's been, you know, nine years. I think that was September of 2011 when we did uh, did the story there. I mean, she was such a great person. I mean, you know, salt of the earth type of a lady, you know, just open up your home. Awesome. Mississippi, you know, and, 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 you know, God bless her for sharing her story. Cause you know, at the time I'm thinking, good, you know, Alice, I hope this could be okay. You know, I don't, you folks at uh, church on Sunday, they may, you know, wonder what's going on, but now, I mean, you know, clearly people in that community has accepted what happened. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, what it started was the guys were doing some work there and now it's like they, they got cameras there 24 hours a right. day. It's almost become, it's almost like a research lab is what I call it because, you know, they're able to study that's a good way everything to put it. That's, uh, that's happening there. That's a fantastic way to put it. I like that as a research lab. Uh, so you get this call to come out to this house. There's this lady who won't stay in her house. It's haunted. Did you believe her when you first, before you walked in the house, before you actually met her? Because... To meet Alice is to believe her instantly. There, there's no guile there. There's nothing premeditated, nothing. It's, it's Alice, right? Before you met her and walked in the house, was there skepticism on your part? Well, you tried to come in with, with an open mind. I mean, the story certainly sounded quite fantastic that, you know, this woman's got this house that's so scary she won't stay there. So, I, you know, trying to think, well, gosh, you know, she, you know, I don't want to say she's crazy, but is she imagining things that are really not there or is it really that scary? But, uh, you know, when, like I said, when I stepped inside the house, I could tell something was off a little bit. I'm like, well, there might be something to this. And then, of course, you know, talking with her, you know, she's not trying to get fame or or notoriety. She really wasn't sharing that story with many people to sit down with the media. That's a big deal, especially in Jackson, Mississippi, which is one of the most conservative places in the United States. So it was very gutsy for her to do that. And as, you know, I talked to her and heard her story, yeah, I definitely thought she was believable, and I thought she was her story was uh, was credible. And then, of course, when we were able to get some evidence the night that we were there, that just you know added more to her um, credibility. And she was so you know so nice. I mean, the, you know, just typical Mississippi, just a lovely individual. That you know, it was a big deal for her to sit down and and talk. And I know years later, she talks. She says like, "Hey, you were the first person that I that really got me to to open up." Which I I hope that you know I'm a you know, very nice guy. When I go into interviews, I, I just let people tell their stories. And that's what I pretty much did with her. And, and like, well, tell me what happened. You know, I really loved to, you know, what do you, what do you think you're experiencing? What have you seen? Um, 
And so throughout the night, certainly after the investigation, you know, I, I, I was a believer. But, you know, you brought up a good point. When you have somebody who calls you up, you know, when you used to do these stories, you know, years ago, they're like, oh, we know Darren. Um, we'll call him up, see if he wants to come out and do a story. And I'm like, well, okay, well, cool. You know, maybe are, are they really experiencing what they're saying? And, I mean, it, in, in, you know, face value, it's like, just so haunted she didn't spend the night there? Are you kidding me? I mean, you're paying a mortgage, uh, you know, you're paying taxes, you're yeah. not staying there. Upkeep. Is this some kind of, uh, is she trying to make money off of it? You know, that's the first thing. You know, a lot of times I'm a little skeptical when these people, oh, my house is haunted. Now it's a bed and breakfast. Oh, how convenient. You know, yeah, uh, <laughs> she, exactly. didn't have an, she didn't have an ulterior uh, motive. Uh, no. Like, hey, come check, out, come check out my house and see what you think. And and that's what we did. And, and, um, you know, I've moved away and it's been so long. I'm still trying to figure out a way to get back down there. I still talk to Alice this many years later. Obviously when the, when the film came out, it was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I was so jealous though, that, you know, the whole baseball on the stairs thing, I, I had no idea what was going on with the stairs thing back then. You know, I, I, I didn't know that, you know, a lot of the EVPs and things like that, and you know, uh, temperature changes. And like when we communicated, in the one bedroom where supposedly, you know, where she had the incident with the lights and the door had opened and closed. Yeah. That place was, that, that was creepy. There was something going on there. You could tell. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, that, you know, you know, that she had, you know, I said brought in the big guns, you know, Steve Gonzalez, that's, you know, that ghost hunters and, you know, ghost nation you know, for him to get involved in a project like that, you know, that he takes it very seriously and he wanted, he does, you know, he was emotionally invested that he wanted to help Alice and, figure out a way to get her back in the house. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like, you know, I've always told her, I said it back then I go, Alice, I want to stay in this house by myself. I don't want anybody else in here. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not trying to scare myself. I just want to have the house talk to me. I want to have the house, let me know it's here. You know, tell me it's message, what it wants to know. I'm still waiting to do that. You know, supposedly we're going to, you know, do that, you know, where, you know, maybe my partner, Rick Garner from unexplained cases live, it might be the both of us, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I want to scare myself. I just really want to, I want to experience what's going on there. Because I, I remember, I think she said that she did have, I don't know if it was her son or a relative that would sleep in a chair downstairs every once in a while, yeah. but not all the time. Um, so, I, you know, I, I never felt freaked out or anything like that. It just seems like it was an interesting location that had whatever the spirits had a story to tell. I've always thought there's something with, with the land. And I know that I think they touched on that in the documentary that not so much the house, it's a typical A-frame house. I don't think there's anything weird to it. Well, and the people modern, live next door on their property really don't have anything happening. It's that specific area that, I don't know if you want to call it a portal of people popping in and out of there. I don't know if you, what are those ley lines they talk about? Which right. I wish I knew, I wish I knew more about those. I met a guy, a couple of years ago that lives in Kansas that he said that it's got that going right through his property. He's had some really weird things happening. So there's something in that specific spot of little old Florence, Mississippi that's going on. And I don't know, will we ever find out a definitive answer? I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, goodness gracious, how much research they're doing there with studying video and, you know, the, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a haunting, it's an intelligent haunting where they're, asking it to turn off lights or swing chandeliers and things like that. It's just, it's a fascinating place. And I feel honored that she let me actually do a story there, especially to be the first yes. you know, media person to yeah. sit down with, um, you know, that, that, that was huge for her. And, you know, I really appreciate it because she, she told her story to me first and I was able to go in there and, you know, actually, you know, film and, and it, it went on TV. I mean, people all over the state of Mississippi saw that story. 
uh, for two nights, not just one night. Yeah. So, and, and, and I know that some people have come back and done some stories, but, you know, it's kind of cool to know that, you know, that I was the first. I, I love that the people embrace the story rather than laugh. Oh, absolutely. No, the, the feedback wasn't like, why are you putting this kook on TV? No, right. I never got any, anything, no pushback. Um, it was, it was one of those water cooler stories, if you will, that like, man, there's something really going on with that poor lady down in, you know, Florence with her, you know, and she's just a nice person. She just will sit down and, and, t- and talk to you and she'll, she'll give you, she'll, she'll cook for you probably if you came and asked, Hey, I don't have any food. Um, you know, she's just that typical, uh, you know, the people of Mississippi that I love, you know, I lived there for six years and, and there's just, you know, so genuine and, and, and giving and, um, you know, she's one of those people. And so, um, I can't wait to go back. I'm hoping, you know, I know the, the COVID thing has really changed a lot. You know, yeah. we've had to cancel a lot of stuff. Um, and, and Mississippi's, you know, had some issues they're still dealing with. So I'm hoping, you know, crossing my fingers that, you know, after the first of the year that, you know, schedules all line up and things like that, because, it's been so long that I've been there that I do remember some things, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't because I always try to go over the layout of the house in my mind that I remember things in certain areas. I'm trying to remember what's at the top of the stairs. That's the one that I kind of draw a blank on. Everything downstairs, I remember where we did some of our EVPs and things like that. But it would be cool to go to go back. It's a balcony landing outside the master suite that is basically a balcony that is in the, the peak of the A-frame. Okay, and it o- overhangs the living room. Now, is that is the, is that the place where that's where she saw the lights? Correct. I'm just trying yeah, to remember it, the inside story the. That so yes. So was it the big the whole, bedroom the or the one downstairs? Lit up. I believe that was the master upstairs. It wasn't the little and one. I, I didn't think so. And I thought I think it was that's the master. Where we did upstairs. the uh, okay. the flashlight session where we interacted with whatever it was and asked the questions. I, I'm pretty sure that's where we did it because I remember. Some some people in the group are like no we did that downstairs and I'm like nah I'm pretty sure that it was the room that she used to stay in yeah. because that was like hey if you're going to try to investigate you might as well go to the where she had the most you know activity that ever happened to her which I mean look if if I was in an area and the thing started lighting up like that man I would you know that would freak me out too um, you know it's kind of sad that you can't stay there I know she lives in a, in a nice place in a great neighborhood now yeah. but. I'm glad that she didn't sell the house because, like I said, I, I was considered a research lab for investigators to go down there and experience it for themselves. And just the way that they've, you know, the guys are taking care of it now with the videoing and everything, um, you know, with uh, Brad and, and John and of right. course Kendall and Steve and everybody else. Um, I think it's, it's 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 a fascinating place. And like I said, I, I, I don't think it's the house. I think it's got something to do with the land. And that's the thing, you know, they had a couple of fires there, so everything got mm-hmm. destroyed. So, you you know, was there a cemetery? Was that part of the Florence Cemetery? You know, you don't know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as far as I, I – it was interesting, the, the young lady, the, the neighbor that came over that got sick during the documentary, that she thought there was some, something, you know, someone buried in the backyard or something bad had happened there. So here's this other family that, you know, on the other side of the oak trees that they don't have any issues, but you come over on – Alice is, pro- you know, over her property line, uh, and all this crazy stuff. Yeah, happens. totally different it's story, just, and it's, it's fa- just right it's there. Fascinating. I mean, it's it's forty feet away. I mean, yeah, there's there's not a lot of space between them. Not at all. I mean, you yeah. could throw a baseball. You could certainly certainly raise your voice and and converse from one front of the house to the other. 
Exactly. And I know the psychic that that they had in the uh, the documentary was fascinating how the thing with the, the walking sticks yeah. she had, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call them canes, that made the hair on the back of yeah, my neck. Yeah, me stand. too. I'm like, whoa, that me is too. like, that's crazy that she had no idea. Nope. <laughs> she just came up with that out of nowhere and then, yeah, well. <laughs> One could call it unexplained. Exactly. I mean, it, it is. I mean, how do you, and then, of course, the lights, when they brought the electrician in, hey, there's nothing going on here. Um, they did the leveling of the house, and that's why the ball would roll down the stairs. I know Steve banked underneath the staircase. Maybe somebody was trying to play a trick or something like that. They investigated. They tried to debunk everything, and it is unexplained. It is unexplained. And, you know, like that- I said, I, at least I got one night in the house, and it was great to hear from Alice. I wish I could have gone back. You know, again, I actually ended up doing a couple of other stories. That, like Vicksburg is another one of my favorite places. Oh, Vicksburg, I love Vicksburg. Uh, the siege of Vicksburg, you know, from everything that happened there during the Civil War, that place has got, there are so many homes and, you know, that have, you know, residual energy or apparitions and things like that. You know, the McRaven uh, mansion is, that's another one of those places. Man, you, uh, first time I walked into that joint, I actually took my wife there and she, she was like, man, you know, she's not a, into paranormal stuff at all, not an investigator, but she's like, dude, there is something creepy inside this house. And I, I wow. both agreed, man, there, this is, yeah. If you ever get out that way and can go to Vicksburg, there's a lot of locations, like Duff Green Mansion and some of those other joints. We did a drive-by in Vicksburg about a month ago. Yeah, we were, we were uh, real quick, I know we're probably up against the clock, but the uh, one of, we were the first paranormal team, or, or if you want to say team, or uh a media outlet where we were able to get permission from the National Park Service to actually stay in the National Military Park wow. for the night. Oh, wow. So we got to go all over the place, and we had some interesting things happen. Just Even if you just take away the fact from a paranormal standpoint, you go back to the historical standpoint of being in yeah. this area where, you know, such a bloody uh, battle that happened. That moved and us. so still and still and quiet. Yeah, we with we all were the, really you know, moved the, by uh, that. Head markers everywhere. That, that was like, man, that was... That was quite the experience. Yeah, it was it was very eye opening and humbling for both Cecilia and I. Uh, we didn't really know. I, I, it wasn't on my bucket list to go there or anything like that. I dragged them, um, but since we were in the area, we decided to go. And they did have it open. Certain areas were closed. They weren't charging any of the fees. There was pack it in, pack it out. No, no public trash cans. No public restrooms open. But it was a just a humbling, really eye-opening experience we all know the history we're all brought up being taught the history in school and all that stuff but man to actually be there was a totally different thing so i wanted to ask you when you did your overnight there um the actual cemetery proper that's up i forget what the name of the area is where the, there's a whole amphitheater and a, a yeah. like a park area right um and the actual cemetery itself did you spend any time in there overnight Oh yes, I mean literally. I mean the uh, we had a ranger that um, that was able to take us um, everywhere. We went to some of the areas where the bloody is you know fighting happened. Um, you know, there's that kind of that tunnel that's kind of interesting that they had built um, for one of the battles. We, we got to that. go in there. We I, anywhere we wanted to go, all we had to do was have um, you know uh, our escort got to go down to where the Cairo was. You know, the gunship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole night we got to go wherever we wanted to. You know, being respectful, you know, walking through the, you know, the tombstones and things like that, the head markers. Of course. But it just, 
if you just stopped there for a second and just took it all in, you know, don't talk, be quiet and just think about what was happening that many years ago. Yeah. Especially in the in the dark, you know, added to it. And I can't believe how hilly the terrain is. I mean, all those cast iron cannons and all those rows they set up to battle each other across ravines and stuff, they had to tow that stuff with livery uh, up and down those almost sheer cliffs of, of ravines. In the in the uh, dead of summer in Mississippi, when yeah. it was 90 degrees with 90% humidity. Exactly. And uniforms there. I don't know, but they, they certainly were not. I don't think they were made out of cotton back then. I think they were made out of wool. They were wearing that so many of them ended up dying of heat exhaustion yeah i think they were wool uh, that's what i thought they were wool yeah and so it was just something else to actually physically be there i encourage anyone listening if you have the opportunity to stop there it is really something yeah uh, it, not it, not like it's not yosemite it's not mount rushmore it's not something like that you know that's become really more of a international tourist attraction it's it's our own grassroots history here in our country Exactly. I mean, you know, and, and uh, you know, they talk about it when they have the, you know, they have the little film room that it was the key was shutting off the South, was taking control of the Mississippi. I mean, that's why it was so, you know, Lincoln, it was such an important, you know, once the South was cut off, that was like almost the beginning of the end for them. Yep. That they couldn't get any supplies up and down uh, the river. Yeah, I, I love that place. Um, I'm hoping to go back, maybe hopefully when everything is open. At some point, yes, I'd love to. There was a lot of things closed that we yeah. wanted. The energy, the energy was incredible, and it was really very humbling to see all those names and all those monuments and everything else. And honestly, our schedule would have allowed us more time in the park, but the fact there was no restroom anywhere, we had to leave. <laughs> that was We're the, old people, and it's a, and it's a long drive. And once you get going, you cannot turn around. Oh, it's a oh. one way road. That's <laughs> yes. right. It's a park yes, tour. Exactly. Road. So, Darren. Tell us about how Unexplained Cases, I guess 1.0, and then Unexplained Cases Live 2.0 came about. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, Rick and I, you know, we did the original. Um, we had, you know, kept in touch and still friends for years. And for, you know, I, for whatever reason, we just kind of like, hey, what, you know, well, obviously it was because of the popularity of everything. I'm like, God, there's so many shows on now. Yes. It wouldn't be cool to kind of go back and do it, but, you know, do it like we, you know, did before with more of a, you know, historical perspective, of course, we'd be the investigators now. We might join forces with other, you know, team up with some other teams. But let's let's give it a shot. Why don't we try, you know, we'll go out. You know, we went to Gettysburg. There's a, we just, you know, we, we said, what the heck, let's go to these places that we always wanted to. You know, Gettysburg was one of those that, oh, my gosh, just like Vicksburg, just unbelievable spending the days that we were there, the history and just feeling what the battlefield was like. Then let's go and do some of these stories again and you know, we're not on TV any anymore with YouTube. You can, you know, make a short story or make a 30 minute episode. Oh yeah. So we, yeah, we pivoted into, yeah, two point, it's unexplained cases live. Of course, not the unexplained anymore. And so we started doing, uh, stories again and uh, episodics. And then we decided, uh, we had actually, uh, met Marion Farish. She was our right. medium that we work with. And we had talked about, Hey, let's, why don't we do like a live show? And so of course we're on, you know, pun TV and, uh, Paranormal Warehouse, which is great to have those two platforms to work with. And so with COVID, we've unfortunately, most of the episodes that we normally go out and shoot, we've kind of had to put those on hold. So that's when we kind of went more into, well, here, let's, why don't we get a show with guests and, you know, talk to them about, you know, who they are, what they do, you know, if they have a group. And then uh, Miriam will do a, a remote live viewing of and going to a location to of their choice, which is, has some fascinating 
um, results. And now we work with a, a psychic artist, Angela uh, Boyle, who does some work for us too. So we've had, we had uh, <laughs> Spooky Babes on, which was uh, Stormy Daniels and John, who their, their show that they've got going. And so that was quite the experience. So, <laughs> you know, we've got that version of Unexplained Cases Live going right now, hopefully um, crossing our, our fingers to get out and start shooting more episodes again in some other locations, you know, like going back to Alice's house. That's, you know, I want to go back and do, instead of a two-minute story, I want to do like a 20-minute or, you know, a 30-minute story. So that that's where we decided it, 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 was, it morphed in from the Unexplained into Unexplained Cases, where we do, still do episodes. And then we have Unexplained Cases Live. And then actually, um, um, uh, Miriam has Unexplained Cases Medium, where she does, you know, readings uh, on Sundays, too. So we've got, we've got so many different shows that are going right now that um, it's kind of exciting. You know, it's kind of hard to still, I'd love to get out of my day job and do this full time. I just haven't figured out how to do that. To <laughs> I think make you're on your money. way. <laughs> yeah, to do it so, full time. I have two questions around this. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the first one is, where do the Emmys fall in? Because I know there's Emmys involved in, in one of these shows somewhere. Yes, that was uh, the original, uh, The Unexplained. So it was uh, when we did our, I actually, I have uh, two from working in news. Uh, so those are, and then I've got the third is Rick and I, for the one that we, uh, the regional Emmy that we won for our 30-minute special that we did uh, about The Unexplained, where it was a compilation. Um, we filmed it on location as Sloss Furnaces, and it was, you know, it was Myrtle's. We went to King's Tavern. That's another place. I know Ghost Adventures is down there. That also on my bucket too. list. Uh, 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 Sloss. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, of course, when we did the uh, the, um, well, we did the McRaven back then, and we also did, uh, of course, the cemetery at the uh, military park. So it was a 30 minute special. That it sort of almost looked like Unsolved Mysteries, which was you know still kind of X Fileish back then. Yeah, uh, I had the trench coat, doing my best Robert Stack impersonation, <laughs> um, and we, you know, we we put it together and it aired, and uh, yeah, well, that's the one that we submitted for an Emmy, and it actually won, which was very cool. So, that is very awesome. cool. Now that yeah. now that now that we're you know now we you know with YouTube and everything like that, we're not on you know traditional network TV anymore, so we wouldn't be able to win uh, anything like that. But yeah, no, I uh, I won a couple for news and then the uh, the one for the show. So yeah, it's it's been very rewarding. And there are days it's like, oh man, I wish I was back in news. But then I think about it, it's like with the world right now, man, I don't know if I no, want to be back. I, I think you're right where you need to be. That's what I was going to say. Is nothing of real substance is on TV, traditional TV anymore. Anyway, I'm not sure anyone would want to be there. It's too much, too stressful. My other question, and you mentioned this earlier, and. I've seen I've seen your your live shows, your unexplained live uh-huh. podcasty show. Explain to the listeners remote viewing. It's fascinating, you know. It's uh, you know I wish that I had that type of um, ability to where you know she she can't really know much. Well, we don't really tell her anything um, about the location that we'll give her like photographs that she studies before um, the night that, you know, we'll have the episode and she'll interact with, uh, you know, I, a lot of times I'll ask her questions. I know the history because I do all the research before. So I know about the, the, the alleged paranormal activity, you know, who owned the house, that type of thing. If there's any kind of traumatic event that happened there, she doesn't know anything about that. And she doesn't know any names. So it's, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my whole, you know, somehow she's able to take herself there and communicate with whatever type of uh, a spirit or an entity. And, you know, a lot of times it's kind of interesting that she'll end up 
that they're whatever type of a spirit there won't let her inside. You know, I don't really know how this is going in the interaction and things like that, that there's, you know, that, that somebody's like a, either a caretaker or they're the bully of the joint that won't even let her in there to interact with the other spirits. She's um, amazing to watch. So it's still, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's fascinating. I, 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 you know, and I seem like every week I seem to learn something different. Um, but it's interesting when she works with Angela and they kind of, you know, she's the psychic artist. A lot of times that they confirm, you know, people that she's talking to and what she's in her mind, what this person looks like. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot different. You know, we never really, we had worked, you know, with, uh, worked with a medium in, uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama at Sloss, um, which that was, you know, she really picked up a lot of stuff. And when I worked in Tulsa, we were, I worked with, uh, sensitives when we did stories at the uh, Brady Theater in the Canes Ballroom uh, in the Gilcrease Mansion. But as far as anything like this, this is all new to me. You know, it's like she's got you know a different ability than the people I've worked with in the past. And so uh, it's it's really she's I mean she's a wonderful person, but it's really you know that gift that she has. And so every week, you know, of course we'll have more episodes coming up on Explain Cases Live that you know we'll meet our guests and ha- you know get their remote viewing. Just give her bits and pieces of information, not so much names, because she she has to look at the picture right. um, to kind of you know understand you know. Um, so I mean, she does you know if it's a mansion, a house, whatever property, she does know some of it. But as far as like any of the history or you know what's what's you know who's there now yeah. or if there was a traumatic event, yeah, she doesn't know anything about that. And she's able to you know, I was always say like lock yourself into it, you know what I mean? Kind of hone in on that. Yeah. Um, and then just, it kind of evolves into the information that she's able to let us know about and also let them know that, you know, the, the guests that they wanted to know, you know, more about this, this particular location. And, you know, it's interesting how sometimes she'll talk about how they have spirit guides with them too. And they may not know about that. And, and they're like, yeah, I've always, you know, I've been told that there's a, older gentleman or spirit with me and Miriam will pick up on that and say like, Hey, did you know that you have a guide with you? And yeah, I've been told that I've had like a, like my grandfather, some type of authority figure for years that's been with me. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's a little different. You know, we'd like to incorporate more of Rick and I out in the field and working with her, you know, she can do it remotely when we're can go live you know, the hope is one that we'd like to go live at uh, Alice's place. That's you know one. Oh, one sure. Of the, we've done some stuff with uh, with the haunted side with uh, with Patrick McQuarrie, his his show, and so she has done remote viewing while he's been in Nevada at a couple of locations, and that's interesting how she'll kind of guide him during his investigation. So we hope to branch out into more live stuff, like out in the field. But you know, the, the, the COVID thing is kind of limited uh, right. our ability yeah. to be at a lot of these places because they're, they're just not open. I mean, there could be a safety standpoint, but, you know, they just feel you know, like in California, there's just not a lot. You know, we we did a, you know, a thing at the Winchester Mystery House, and that thing was closed for months. I mean, they shut it down in March, and they and they, they couldn't have any visitors at all. And you've got something coming up. Yeah, we have a big at the Red Mill, Haunted Red Mill in Clinton, New Jersey. It's, uh, it's a special Unexplained Cases uh, live event. It's going to be a, a virtual event. This is kind of crazy. It's got many components going to have um they're going to have the, they have one of the most popular like haunted attraction if you will with actors and things like that and they were supposed to celebrate their 30th anniversary but because of covid they've had to close down so they're they are not able to invite guests in but they're able to do a virtual version of it 
to where we're actually going to have our uh, ghost hunters uh, from ANTV's uh, ghost hunters, Daryl and Mustafa, who are not only going to do a paranormal investigation of the Red Mill, and they're actually going to get gain access to one part of the mill that nobody's ever investigated. Oh, cool. But before they do that, but before that they do that, they're going to go through the haunted attraction, and they don't know anything about it. And so <laughs> there's going to be a storyline to it, and so the guys are going to, and they're pretty excited about it, that they're going to go through this haunted attraction. Of course, then we'll take a break. We'll interview them and then, you know, break down and go into the, the, you know, the traditional paranormal investigation. But we're also going to have a costume contest where there's going to be some prizes. And we have a virtual um, bar that's going to be open, if you will, that, uh, that will be uh, mixing up um, some, some drinks. Um, you know, the people at home can do that if they want to, of course, with the costume contest. So it's going to be a it's going to be a whole night. It's going to be like five hours um, at the Red Mill, and you can go to our go to our Facebook page on Explain Cases Live to purchase tickets. And there's also some information on our Instagram account and Unexplained Cases. Um, and yeah, we just we'd love to have people um, join us for that night. This is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a virtual event to where you're going to get that, that point of view perspective from Daryl and Mustafa uh, as they go through not only the haunted house, but then if you would, you know, the real haunted house. And so, and then this other area of the mill that they're opening up to those guys and they don't really know, they don't, they know it, but they've never been there. So this is going to be a first time for them both. So it's going to, it's going to be an exciting event. This sounds fantastic. Yeah. This, this sounds like it's going to be pretty fun. And when is it? It's October 24th. Ooh, uh, it's coming so, right up. Uh, it's a Saturday night and it's going to be like seven to midnight and, and it could be uh, the the bar, if you will, is going to open up at six. But the the investigation <laughs> haunted house is seven to midnight. And if the activity is really ramped up and things are going on, uh, you know, the mill said we can go past midnight. So okay, cool. There could be some bonus time too. And that's Eastern time. Yes, that's exactly right. Eastern time. Okay. Seven seven to midnight. And listeners, we will provide all the links in the show notes. And if you don't see them in the show notes, you can just reach out to me and I'll make sure you get the links. But this is going to be a really, really exciting event. I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Thank you so much yeah, for letting your uh, listeners know. That's great. And, and Darren, before we say goodbye, there is something I have to do. It is required on any show where we talk about the house. That's right. It is a requirement. It is. Every show. Uh-oh. It's in writing the somewhere house. we have. Yeah. Um, this is a shout out to Steve. Steve? Here is my shameless plea. Come on the show. <laughs> Answer your email. <laughs> we would love to have you. <laughs> we know you're busy. Check yeah, your emails. Yeah, we- just make, make a, you know, yeah, I think, he, well, you guys are awesome. For one thing, it'd be a great conversation. Just, uh, I'd love to get his perspective. I mean, you know, he's one of the original, you know, ghost hunters has been around forever that, um, I bet you there's a lot of stuff that he could share that maybe we don't know in the documentary, and that would be a great episode for sure. See, Steve, it's not just us wanting to shamelessly plea to have you oh, on the no, show. Lo- Our listeners would really benefit from your knowledge and your expertise. Listeners, previous guests, everybody. Previous guests, everybody is looking for Steve. It is a big gap in our House in Between series. It is a big gap in my heart. Steve, please come on the show. And thank, well you, Darren, thank you, Darren, for letting me do that. <laughs> no, exactly. I would love, well, that would be really cool. I'd love to, you know, of course you see him on TV and everything like that, but just him in a, in a, um, you know, a format, an environment where you can just kind of sit there and talk and just talk, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not a show. I think that'd be great. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I I think we would have a blast with him. Uh, we, we have similar personalities, but all right. I will not take up any more of your time. I'm sorry for for stealing all oh, of this no, time no, of yours. This has been you so were just fun. I mean, fun. Uh, God, we could we could talk for hours. I mean, gosh, I've been doing this for so long. You know, uh, um, it, it was it was a pleasure to just tell you a little bit. Of, you know, obviously, thank you for uh, you know telling the folks about the event. But you know, just uh, a news guy that kind of uh, did some cool ghost stories in his in his past and. You know, all those stories are still online on SplainCases.com. So and, and if you guys would like to check them out. Um, and, you know, they're still on our YouTube channel also. Garrett, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Yes, thank I you. I hope someday when the, when the world is open again, we can actually go out and investigate together. Yes. Maybe at the house. That would be awesome. That would be great. I'd love to meet you guys in, in person. And, and once again, hey, thank you for having me on. It was a it was a great conversation. It's always nice to uh, spread the love in the paranormal community. Absolutely. And you have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you so much. 